the Top Times, where we talk about all things Tennessee Falls, episode six. My name is Sean. My name is Chase. All right, we got a lot to talk about. So first, we're going to be talking about our techni- technical difficulties. We appreciate you guys being patient with us, but my gosh, we, we we'll get to the new defensive coordinator hire. I know the dust has kind of settled on that. We got a recruiting update. We're going to talk about basketball, all that good stuff. But my gosh, we first, I think first Chase had some technical difficulties. Is that right? With the yeah. microphone? And then. Yeah, like right when we first started. And now all of a sudden, when we start getting the ball rolling, mine decides to cut out or it does this <laughs> double echo thing. I don't know. I've tried. I've Googled everything. Um, I, I just need to get a new one. So. Uh, thank you all for your patience and for bearing <laughs> with us. But if anybody has any microphone experience, I mean, my God, if we could if we could develop a microphone that just does not suck or break down after somebody sneezes, you know, a mile away or something, it was rough. We'd be we'd be billionaires. Yeah, it's it's they're so fragile, and I don't know if Amazon just threw it on our doorsteps or I don't I don't know, but. It, and it, I've tried everything. It, I, it's not a garage band setting. I've uh, I've checked updates. <laughs> we, we know we tried the <laughs> reverb thing. I, I've literally tried everything, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's not worth the gamble at this point. So, you guys know any good microphones out there? Let us know. Mine's a hit us up. Mine's a toner. What'd you get? Ah, uh, the very first one I. What was that one called? I don't know, Pseudo Tack or something like that. Sure. Had some good reviews on on Amazon, but it was. Uh, I'm guessing that these these companies are probably not going to sponsor us after this. After we uh, kind of bash them a little bit here, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I, you all heard probably the the first episode when my mic was just staticky as all get out. But we had recorded a couple episodes after that where it was kind of better. And then we, I feel like we've recorded each episode like two times since then so instead of six episode this is probably like our 12th episode recording so i know i say episode six i'm like wait a minute we record like 50 freaking episodes so i know and let me get this straight toner if you're listening i love the mic i'll just <laughs> i just want it to do what it's supposed to do and it's just it's not doing that at all not even a little bit yeah so but i love the design i love the look of it it's kind of got like the little tripod thing I like it, but anyway, we're carrying on way too long about this, but uh, let's talk about, since it's been a while with our technical difficulties, let's talk about old Peyton Manning being inducted into the Hall of Fame. This was obviously really cool. Um, Everybody knows Peyton Manning. Everybody knows what he represents with Tennessee, and he donates a lot of money every year and probably some buyout money these past (laughs) 15 years. (laughs) <laughs> but it's been it, that was really cool to see, and you know it was a little sentimental seeing Philip Fulmer there along with Cutcliffe. It, it was just really cool. So, what do you what do you think about Peyton on the obvious inducted Hall of Fame? Yeah, of course the first ballot Hall of Famer, which you know not many people can say that they've done whenever they get inducted to the Hall of Fame. So, a huge honor for him. I think it, everybody, of course, knew that it was coming as he's widely considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time if not players of all time so um yeah it was really cool the video was was really was really neat um you know seeing all david cutcliffe phil fulmer jim caldwell from the from the colts and then his, his coach from the broncos and 
you know, just some other people there that, you know, kind of made him along the way and, you know, helped their franchises out to get either build the Tennessee program up like he did for, for Philip Fulmer and for Cutcliffe and then for the NFL coaches as well, getting them Super Bowls. So, uh, really cool honor and, uh, I'm looking forward to his, his, uh, Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, that was really cool to see. And it was sentimental because for me, it wasn't the moment, but literally that was the last time Tennessee had a taste of any sort of victory. (laughs) And and, you know, Fulmer, (laughs) you know, you know, he's got free time to go there. He doesn't have a job right now. So his schedule (laughs) is pretty flexible, but he was there. Cutcliffe was there and it, it just brought back memories seeing, you know, both of those coaches and of course Peyton back there. So shout out to Peyton mm-hmm. Manning, obviously one of the greatest ever to come out of UT and, yep. you know, first ballot Hall of Famer. So awesome, awesome stuff. So the dust has kind of settled on the defensive coordinator hire, but we're still going to talk about it. So we hired Tim Banks. I don't know much about the dude, honestly. Uh, the only thing I can think of is what everybody else probably already knows, but he was a, Previously, he was a co-defensive coordinator for Penn State. I think he was there for five seasons, which, yeah, you know, for the past five seasons. And he was also part of the safeties coach, is what you told me. So mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about Penn State's defense. Um, I, honestly, out of the Big Ten, we watch Ohio State in the playoffs and stuff like that. But you know, in the SEC, you're not gonna you're not gonna get a lot of Penn State games on you know the noon channel and stuff like that. But it was, you know, he's got it you know, a pretty good, you know, history there. So what yep. do you think, what do you think about Tim Banks and what he's bringing to Tennessee? Yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't know much about him as well, other than, you know, kind of what you're reading on his bio. So, you know, his Penn state stats seem to be pretty good from, from what I can tell It's like, it looks like he has, you know, for the past five seasons, it looks like he's, his defenses have ranked in the top 25 in defenses. And I mean, even in the, in, in the big 10, you know, must it, they still have some really good teams in there. I'd say second to the SEC and and overall, you know, competition standard. So, um, I'd say that's nothing to nothing to look past there. So, I think he's put a lot of guys in the NFL. He's he's I think he's a proven safeties coach as well. So we definitely need that. And uh, you know, 14 years as either a defensive coordinator or a co-defensive coordinator is is um, something that we definitely need as as um, it sounds like Hype was going to kind of take the offense and run with it, and then we kind of need a head coach for the defense. So hopefully he's the guy and he can kind of steer us in the right direction after last year's debacle of a, of a defense. You know, Lord knows we need it at pass coverage really bad, and yeah. we can never get it. You know, safeties is really difficult just because with SEC offenses, they're so pass-heavy this past season. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do to the safeties for sure. I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if he's a good recruiter or not, but if he's, you know, got good experience. And it seems like the coaches like him a lot too because did you see Franklin kind of congratulate yep. him on the job and everything? Yep. So that's a much better relationship than what Brumball had with Pruitt, so getting fired <laughs> in the middle of a game. So yeah. obviously obviously he's respected by Franklin and probably a bunch of other coaches, you know, around the conference and hopefully the SEC here soon. And I think he also worked a little bit with Butch at Central Michigan and maybe Cincinnati. Is that right? Yeah, so he was there. I think he was the defensive coordinator for him for both times that he was at Central Michigan and Cincinnati. And then 
prior to um, prior to Butch taking the Tennessee job, uh, Tim Banks took a defensive coordinator position at Illinois. So I know a lot of people are like, well, why didn't he bring him here to Tennessee? Well, he had already accepted the position at another place. So um, that kind of cleared the air once everybody kind of figured that out. So most people were thinking he was a failure because Butch didn't bring him. So I don't think that's the case. And, you know, if you, I mean, even if you're a defensive coordinator at Penn State, which has had a significantly better program than, than we have for the past however many years, um, I think that's valuable experience. And, and, you know, he's played in some big-time games at a big-time program, so he kind of knows what it's about. Yeah, Penn State, you know, the past, especially Franklin's first few years there, they, they were mm-hmm. legit. And I know they've beaten Ohio State a couple times. Say what you want about Ohio State, but – I mean, they beat they beat them a couple times. That's more than yeah. their rival Michigan can say. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so I, I'm excited, and I'm going to welcome Banks. I think everybody should as well. Of course, you can kind of be on the fence and stuff like that, but you know, I'm not going to dog the guy because he used to work with Butch. Because you know, he <laughs> he's done some good things at Penn State, and I think a lot of other, I think a lot of other coaches were probably going to try and go after this guy. You know, in a couple, maybe another year or two. So. I'm excited to finally, finally, finally have a defensive coordinator. It seems like it's taken forever, but mm-hmm. I know Austin Price on Rivals. He kind of mentioned that it kind of seemed like it took a while, but it was much it was much quicker than you know when LSU was trying to find one and a couple other rivals just to kind of get an estimate on or just comparing other schools and how long it can take to get these coordinators and stuff like that. So I know it seemed like forever, but other schools you know i guess it was kind of on par for being you know <laughs> about a normal time schedule to try and get one in here yeah but, i would rather i'd rather get your guy than than kind of rush into a hire and get somebody that you know is not going to really work out in the end kind of like what we've done in the past i feel like yeah. we've just kind of plugged in place people you know with the last hires like shelton felton and brumball and you know all these other guys so um Hopefully they have a good relationship, him and Heupel, and they can kind of, you know, bounce off each other and get some good ideas in there. Because, you know, running with with Heupel's offense, you know that they're gonna they're gonna up tempo offense, and they're just gonna be on the field, off the field. So the defense is gonna have to be prepared to go on the field, um, you know, double the amount of time that they were last year. So conditioning and and you know just always being in the loop in the game to where. Because, I mean, they can run three plays in 20 seconds and, uh, you know, the defense is back on the field. So it'll take a special uh, defensive coordinator to um, to kind of be able to teach that kind of defense. And I think it's going to take a lot of different types of players than, than we're used to getting. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Okay, he's going to whip these boys into shape for this yeah. fast-paced offense and stuff. Cause, yeah. and, and that's a concern that people have about you know the air raid offense that it just gasses your defense you know and i don't i don't see that being a problem here i really don't because i I think it'll take a little bit more of adjustment to a little bit more time to kind of adjust to that air raid offense and stuff like that but i don't know never say never mike leach kind of did it his first game uh whenever they played lsu and you know i know lsu wasn't the same lsu the year before but they still have some talent on that team and they threw it all over that defense so and I think they still had their, you know, one of the top cornerbacks in the nation back there in that game. So yeah, Stingley. Yeah, so hopefully they can, yeah, the, you know, bring that. 
Yeah, the good thing about Heupel's offense is they still incorporate the run quite a bit. They're pretty balanced running and passing, so it's not it's not as much air raid as I think as most people think whenever they're saying up-tempo offense. Most people think they're just going to throw it all over the place, but uh, Heupel's offense brings a lot more running game to yeah. to the table here. So, you know, they're, they're still – they're still going fast, but they're still running the ball. Unlike Leach's offense, I think they throw it like 70 times a game and they only run it like five. So um, I think with Heupel's offense, you'll see more of a balanced attack to where they're still running tons and tons of plays. But, you know, you know, it's going to be 50-50 run pass. And, you know, you want a running back for like a third and short or, you know, a third and goal that's yeah. like on the one or something like that. It's just silly to me to, you know, we saw it when Butch was at Florida. It was like first and goal on the like the two or something. And he the threw it for an inter- yeah, and he threw it for an interception. We saw it in the Super Bowl. When yeah, our shot in the shotgun. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely insane to me. And also, if you have a running back, you know, an all-purpose back, like I hate to keep bringing up the kid, but Eric Gray, you know, he can catch it out of the backfield, <laughs> kind of become yeah. another threat at receiver. So if you... I, I just don't really understand the whole only air raid offense that league leech runs yeah. because you know you're kind of missing out on recruits and taking out another element of the game that you need to succeed in the SEC. So excited to welcome Banks and see what he can do for this defense, and I hope he can recruit. I don't know much about his recruiting, but I tell you who can recruit. It's our new defensive line coach Rodney Gardner. We got this steal from Auburn. I think that's his alma mater as well. Uh, Yeah, I think so. The the dude's from Alabama. He went to Auburn. He loves Auburn. And he gave all that up to come to Tennessee. Probably the paycheck helped, but still. Um, (laughs) Really, really excited about this dude. He is one of the best recruiters, I think, in the league. Seven first-round draft picks that he's coached on the defensive line. Seven. So if I'm a recruit and I hear that he's done that, I am listening. That's yeah. that's absolutely insane to me. So what do you think, Walter Nolan? Exactly. Yeah. If you listen, <laughs> Walter, hit him up. So what do you think yeah. of Rodney Garner joining the balls? Yeah, I mean it, it's going to help a lot. We definitely need some some uh, some more production out of our defensive line. It sounds like Banks is more of like a or from the Penn State defenses that I've seen, they're more of like a four three defense. So that we'll have two down, two defensive linemen, two defensive ends. Instead of like the four-two-five defenses that Pruitt likes to run, yeah. um, so I think we'll, I think that'll be better for this year, just because we're going to be kind of down on our linebackers, going to be really young in that spot. So having four down linemen that can that can you know stop the run and rush the passer, I think that'll be better for our defense. And, and Rodney Garner will be, you know, the perfect one to teach the teach the defensive line all the different kinds of techniques and things like that that they'll need to know. So. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we got Walter Nolan, you know, pretty much everywhere. He's a top three player in the country. So, um, currently playing in Memphis. So definitely need him. Definitely need some game changers on the, uh, defensive line and pretty much all over the defense. But, um, I think Gardner's going to be able to bring that to, uh, bring some credibility to the, to the defense, um, to let everybody know that, you know, he's going to be there and, he knows how to develop players, like you said, the first-round picks and, you know, the countless others. We had zero pass rush all yeah. season long. I mean, quarterbacks could go back there and take a nap, eat a sandwich, whatever. They weren't getting 
brushed at all by any defensive ends. And I think the Georgia game was DeAndre Johnson. The time, the one time he did rush, he got That's a dang targeting call and ejected. So <laughs> we we definitely need that. That's a huge position of need, and they really need to try and go after Walter Nolan. I do believe Heupel, when he says that he's trying everything he can to lock the borders, try and get all of our in-state recruits, because this is a vital recruiting class for in-state Tennessee prospects. And yeah. we, we definitely need Walter Nolan. It's a huge position to need. He's one of the best in the nation, like you said, top two, top three at every recruiting site. So he would make an immediate impact and <laughs> possibly be the next Reggie White. So he could be. He, he definitely could be. Another in-state recruit that we're, you know, Heupel's trying everything he can. His first day he got the job, he called this kid. Ty Simpson, the dual threat quarterback. Now his commitment just got pushed back to February 26th. I think it was just due to weather, though. I don't think it's due to him yeah. trying to decide second on something else. Yeah, no second guesses. It was literally just due to weather, according to him. Uh, but you know, well, he lives over in the Nashville area, and I guess their weather's pretty bad there right now. So uh, yeah. I think their school's closed all week. Matter of fact, so. I think he's announcing they're at the school, so I don't think that they would have been able to mount, make that happen, so he pushed it back to that to the next Friday. And I believe him when he said that because people were asking him why, I think it was the 19th originally, and he said just because it's all a, to- a great time because all my family is going to be there and everyone can watch it, so it would be a special time. So yeah. I, I do believe him it's just because of weather so we can have everybody together. <laughs> And a lot of recruiting sources are saying Bama and Clemson are up there. And then, I don't know. I know Tennessee's, you know, mentioned. And I know he's saying all the right things, that the coaching staff hasn't changed his decision at all. Of course, he's got to get my hopes up saying stuff like that. And he (laughs) says it's a dream to turn the program around. I do think his heart's at Tennessee. But I think the insiders are right, you know, with how – I mean, how – if he's not from Tennessee, this is a no contest. But the yeah, fact it's that, a no-brainer. Exactly. But the fact that he's from Tennessee, I think his heart's at Tennessee. But ultimately, I think he either goes to Bama or Clemson. I'll say Clemson just because that's what all the insiders are saying, and they're smarter than me. So <laughs> I, I think he'll end up going to Clemson. But what do you, what do you think of Ty Simpson? Any predictions? Uh, stuff like that? Yeah, like you said, most of the insiders from what we've seen are picking Clemson, but um, you know, he it didn't sound like he was really close to a decision until Bama kind of came in strong for him here within yeah. the last like month or so. So I think with him all of a sudden just wanting to to make an announcement, I think that in my opinion, I think that Bama is leading it, but uh, could be Clemson in the end. But I I think there's always going to be a chance that if he, if he does commit somewhere, I think there's the only team that's left open is uh, Tennessee so just because you know he grew up around the program his dad's the the head coach at University of Tennessee at Martin um, so I think that they've always kind of had a, a thing for Tennessee and, and coming back to kind of bring it back to glory yeah and another thing that hurts is he's saying all the in-state recruits they've all been really close you know like when they were in middle school like eighth grade and mm-hmm. they always dreamed about playing together in college 
now a lot of that's looking like a reality. So if he does choose Bama or Clemson, which is what it sounds like he's leaning towards, he's going to recruit all these in-state guys to their schools to try and throw to him, yeah. win with them. And I don't, I, it's hard not to blame the kid because Bama just won a title. Clemson was in the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a first-round pick. Tua Tagovailoa is making millions. And Mac Jones played like a first-round pick this season, this past season. I don't know if he will go in the first round, but hey, he, well. definitely, he definitely played like it. I mean, how can you turn that down if you're a 17-, 18-year-old kid in high school? So I don't, I don't right. blame the kid. I do think his heart's at Tennessee, but it, it's just really hard to compete with these schools right now. They are just on fire with recruiting, with winning, everything. And a lot yeah. of people are sick of seeing the same teams in the playoffs, <laughs> honestly. I am. Yeah, I mean, it had the lowest views, I think, ever. So it's just the same four teams over and over, and then they all get beat by Alabama in the title. So. <laughs> We'll see what happens. We'll keep you guys updated on that and definitely talk about his decision, whatever it may be. But he's committing February 26th at his school. And, uh, you know, a little pray for Vol Nation. Come, yep. come on, coming down to Knoxville. And come home, be, buddy. Be the next Peyton if you want to. So switching gears to position group breakdowns. We're going to do running backs this episode. The last episode we did quarterbacks. So we thought it would be a good and smooth transition from here. So, <laughs> cat in the bag. I guess the elephant in the room. Eric Gray and Todd Chandler are both gone. So, we got fresh new legs coming in. We're going to have, you know, a new opportunity for someone to make a name for themselves. But, obviously, that hurts. So, I think you, you put in here that they were 87% of our rushing offense from last year. Mm-hmm. That's scary if you're a Vol fan. Yeah, it's so very scary. What, what what do you think? You know, obviously this is a big concern. What do you, what do you think of this big concern with losing Gray and Chandler and kind of next man up? Yeah, losing Gray is going to be the biggest biggest hurt for sure. Ty Chandler, he kind of fell off more towards the end, and then he entered the portal uh, right after the season. So, um, he would have been good to have, but I think that Gray is definitely the the biggest loss maybe on the entire team from everybody that we're going to be losing is, you know, he was, he was really good at rushing. He was also really good at catching the ball at the backfield. He could line up in the slot, whatever he wanted him to do, he could do. Um, losing him, especially in Hypo's offense, where I think he could shine. Um, that's going to be tough for us to, to replace. Um, you know, coming into next year, we don't have a ton of guys with experience. Like we said, 87% of that's going to be gone. So, um, I'd, I'd expect that the main guy for next year to be a guy that's never played a snap for, for Tennessee before, and that's Tion Evans, who's the Chico um, running back that just committed to us in the 2021 class. So I would expect him to uh, be the starter for next year. Uh, if he's not, definitely expect Jabari Small to, uh, to be in that slot. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of good things from Evans. I think he fits Hypo's style for sure. He seems he seems fast. He seems he's got a quick burst, great in space. And Jabari Small, last year, every time he touched the ball, I was impressed. I yeah. mean, when he, he met that guy in midfield right in the middle, he ran that guy over. So I, I think Jabari Small is going to have a huge year, and I, I think Evans will too. So I kind of see them – 
I don't know if I see him being like a one-two punch. I kind of see it like a one A one B type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I, would I think. Just, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think both of them are going to go at it. And D Beckwith, we know he's kind of at like that awkward size. He's like six five, and he's like a hybrid. Yeah, he is, and it's hard to say what he's going to be under Heupel's offense. He might benefit more moving to wide receiver or tight end or something like that. But if I'm Heupel. You know, our tight ends are nothing amazing by any means. No offense, tight ends. But I, I would get back with, you know, in the red zone on tight ends. You know, if it's if you're close to the goal line, throw it to him if, you know, if you don't want to run it. But Beckwith kind of has that awkward size. But when he ran the ball against Vanderbilt, I know it's Vanderbilt, <laughs> but he, he looked pretty good. He looked explosive. He played with energy and – Honestly, I'm happy if these kids play with energy. That's all I really care about. Yeah. You know, positive, negative plays. I just don't want to see their heads down. I don't want to see this negativity. If you're playing with positive energy, that, me as a fan, that's really all I ask for. So, D, D Beckwith is another one coming back. So, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, Hodge. So, T. Hodge didn't play a snap at all last year, I don't think. I don't know if he had an injury, injury or if he just wasn't high up on the depth chart but he's supposed to be a bigger pounder back or at least he was out of high school but i'm curious to see where he fits in all this do you see hodge getting any carries or do you kind of see him you know if beckworth were to move another position does that push him up over some people what do you think uh no i, I i'm not really sure yeah i don't know i don't know too much about t hodge it sounds like he's kind of buried down in the depth chart um I would expect that if, if they see that Tion Evans and Jabari Small are the only two backs um, that they feel that they can get consistent production out of, I think they may hit the transfer portal and try to get another one. Unless um, our 2021 commit, Cody Brown, ends up sticking around. Fingers if he ends crossed. up sticking around, yeah, I know, right? Um, it's not looking good for us that he's going to end up staying for next year, but um, if he does, then I would expect him to be in that, you know, um, with with Tion Evans and Jabari Small in the 1A, 1B kind of category, Brown being in that two uh, backup position. Yeah, in one of our previous, earlier episodes, I mentioned that Cody Brown was one of the guys I was looking forward to the most uh, simply because we haven't had that type of running back in a while. I mean, this dude was a monster on his tape, and he's from Georgia, so the competition's pretty dang good. I mean, George is loaded with five stars out of high school. So his competition was good. I was really impressed with it, and he would have looked really good in orange. I hope, I hope, hope he stays, but <laughs> it's not looking promising. I wouldn't be surprised no. if he's gone as well. And our running backs coach, I don't – it's the dude from um, – oh, gosh. Rice. Rice. Okay. I tried to look this dude up. <laughs> on 24-7 sports as soon as it was announced, okay? I was like, oh, cool, we got a running backs coach. Maybe he can convince Cody Brown. I was, I was happy. Uh, I, go, I go on, I click his profile. This dude doesn't even have a profile <laughs> picture on the recruiting website. How are you going to convince Cody Brown to stay when they don't need, they're not taking you serious? They don't even have your profile <laughs> picture on 24-7 sports. So the first thing this dude needs to do is Put get a that picture. Put a Tennessee polo on something orange and get a dang picture. My goodness. 
something. I, I was just, I don't think I've ever seen a coach like that come to UT and not have a picture like on 24-7 sports. I was, yeah. I was very surprised and heartbroken, and I was just like, well, Brown, good luck wherever you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> but back to the running backs, I think we got one left. Uh, Lynette Whitehead, he was a guy coming out of high school. He got hurt last year as a freshman, so he was out pretty much all year. But a lot mm-hmm. of people wanted him to play linebacker because that's what – I think Muschamp tried to recruit him there at linebacker, and Pruitt kind of said, we'll keep, we'll try both running back and linebacker. Whichever you do better at, we'll – We'll go with that, but he got hurt. So I don't I don't know much about Whitehead other than that, honestly. So I don't know what he looks yeah. like running the ball. But do you see him competing with all this, or do you think he's going to go back to linebacker, especially with Henry T and Crouch going? Yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't think anybody's really ever seen him at the running back position. So yeah. um, I so, have no clue what he brings to the table if he's. If he's better fitted at linebacker, then I would prefer him to be there with our depth. Um, definitely taking a hit, but yeah, I, like I said, I don't, I don't see many people. I, I would, I would expect three people to get carries, and um, he's probably not one of them. He's almost like a stem cell. Just put him in wherever, like linebacker, <laughs> yeah. running back. Here you go, kid. But yeah. dude's an athlete if he can do both of those because yep. they're they're completely different, you know. And Crouch kind of did that. Uh, last year, especially, we saw it in that bowl game. God, that seems like forever ago. But whenever they yeah. beat Indiana, he, he was a really good back, you know, for that third yeah. one. So we'll we'll see. But that's our position group breakdown. The running backs, obviously, we're concerned because there's a big, big, big chunk of production gone. But I really think Small and Evans are gonna do some really good things and definitely have some highlights real soon in the fall. Yep. So let's shift gears to basketball. Oh gosh, talk about a talk about a roller coaster of emotions. This basketball yeah. team. Their overall record is fourteen and five. They're seven and five in conference play, so they're they're fourth, I guess, with four games left on the schedule before the SEC tournament. You mentioned earlier that these next you know these next few games are very winnable, but just overall thoughts on this season so far what do you think yeah with um with five losses overall in the year and and, you know all of them coming in the acc i mean that's pretty hurtful for our overall tournament positioning uh i think right now we're sitting at the fourth position so you know it's going to make us have a little bit of a tougher um a tougher draw in, in in the sec tournament to help us get a better seed in the overall uh march madness so Yep. You know, it's been kind of disappointing. You know, we beat the teams that were, for the most part, we beat the teams that we're supposed to, and then we just get absolutely destroyed by teams that we're not, that are not even close to comparison to the talent level that we have. So I think it's got to do a lot to do with, um, it seems like our bigs, like Fulkerson and Ponds, are just not producing at the level that they have been. So I'm hoping it's just a little slump that they're going through and, and they'll kind of, you know, kick it up as the as the tournaments get started. I hope so. I hope they wake up because they have – they're obviously really good and they have a ton of potential. I hate the word potential, especially as a Tennessee yeah. fan, but it's true. They have potential like crazy, and they just seem like they haven't been mentally there sometimes. And 
I don't know if it's because we have Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer, and they both kind of when they take over like that, they're hot this year. So yeah, I, I don't know if he's kind of like I don't know if I should do this or pass it off. I don't know. He just looks very hesitant this season, which is very strange because he's got a ton of experience, and so does Pons. So, and, and Pons, I will say, he's been a little bit more consistent than Folky has. Yeah, I, I just a little bit, <laughs> a little Push bit it. more, a little bit more, and I, I don't know. I don't know if the dude's injured. You you mentioned that he might be injured or something like that. I, I have no idea, but. Very winnable four remaining games, and we gotta, 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 you know, beat these guys if we want to have a better seed in the tournament. Did you see the latest projection? Was it? Uh, yeah. From Minardi. Yeah. Yeah. So the NCAA tournament committee. This was as of Saturday morning, right before we played LSU and lost. <laughs> we were. They released like the top 16 overall seeds, so the, their top 16 teams. And of those 16, we were ranked number 11, which was the number three seed in the tournament. But that was, like I said, right before we lost to LSU uh, pretty handedly, actually. And I think as of either yesterday or today, I couldn't remember exactly when I looked or saw the stat that said that in the latest bracketology, we've fallen to a four seed now. So. Not really shocking there, but um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna have to step it up if we're gonna want to keep the, you know, the three seed or better. That's a funny... I would expect our our three seed to, if we can get if we win the rest of the games and then place relatively high in the SEC tournament, I would expect a three seed. Uh, I think if we win the SEC tournament, I think we could possibly get up to a two, maybe, um, but it would be uh, it would be tough. Was Alabama predicted to do well in the preseason? They came out of nowhere. Yeah, I think they were more of like a middle-of-the-pack team. I don't think anybody expected them to be a top-ten team for sure. They came out of nowhere, and they are doing really good things. So hopefully they can get upset and help us out. But my goodness. Yeah, their record is really weird because they only, they only have like one loss in the SEC. Maybe two. I think one loss in the SEC, but they're – they have like five losses overall, so it's kind of a different backward story for us and them as we're struggling in the SEC for some reason, and then uh, we're doing really good in non-conference. That's so weird, yeah, because, I mean, we beat Kansas. And, yeah, you know, they're bad. Tradi- yeah, I know they're not, you know, amazing this year, but traditionally yeah. speaking, they're pretty dang good. So, I don't know, man. I, I just Alabama came out of nowhere and just it seems like they're running mm-hmm. away with the SEC and yeah, oh, you're they right. are. I think it, they may have clinched number one seed, maybe. I, I, I think if they surprised. win one more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So we got to win these next four games. Hopefully, Folky and Pons can get out of whatever funk they're in to try and just run the table and then get ready for SEC tournament play. So yeah. freshman takeover, man. Keon Johnson. And Jaden Springer, they they are they are getting better and better as time goes on. I know Springer kind of had some bad turnovers, you know, in the last game, but mm-hmm. they both been doing really good. It seems like I, I don't know. It just seems like since Kentucky, that second half, that like a, just a switch has turned on, and they are just dominating. They're really aggressive. They're physical. They're they're just doing really really unselfish things as well. So what do what do you think of like? Keon Johnson and Springer kind of 
coming alive here as of late. Yeah, if it wasn't for them, I mean, we we would have lost to Kentucky. We would have pro- we would have lost to Georgia, and uh, we would have lost by like forty to LSU um, <laughs> if we wouldn't have. So I mean, we would have lost the last three games easily. We were up by like twenty one against Georgia. And we ended up only winning by eight, um, and it was just just terrible second half. So it's just. Yeah, I mean, without them, we would we would definitely be uh, in a much worse position. Um, but yeah, they're 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 finally like taking over, kind of like what we've been saying on the offensive side. They're both really good on the defense and super athletic. With especially with that Keon Johnson dunk the other day, it was insane. Oh, uh, just absolutely dunked over this guy, and it was like almost like a windmill dunk. It was crazy. You know, there's a lot of videos out there and memes i'm like i'm just sick of seeing that i don't that dunk never gets old to me i mean no. it was disgusting it was so no. loud oh it was <laughs> amazing is that the best dunk ever by of all you think i don't know there's been quite a few i mean the one that comes to mind is just the the admiral schofield dunk against i think it was arkansas or mississippi state in the sec tournament a few years ago um, oh man. we just dunked over that guy yeah it was crazy was that the one in the middle where he just yeah. jumped around? It? I can still yeah. hear that when I'm when I'm yeah. when I'm trying to think back about it. I can still hear how loud that dunk was. That that's definitely yeah. up there. But they're both really good players. But Keon Johnson, man, keep keep doing that. Hopefully, that can we'll see more of that in the SEC tournament or these next four yeah. games because it was insane. And you're mm-hmm. right. We we have had some big wins this season. You know, we've beaten Kentucky at Kentucky, which is not easy to do. Uh, we we had a Georgia was starting to come back a little bit on that 89 yeah, 81 victory. It was strange earlier. I think we had like seven minutes left. We were destroying them, and I was like, oh okay. And then I turned it back on, and they were, they kept coming back and coming back. And I was like, my goodness, yeah. like we might lose this thing. So um, I'm glad they were able to close that and finish that and avoid the upset. And then uh, uh, we lost to LSU 78 to 65. I mean, it Shaquille, didn't even feel like it was that close. No, it didn't. They didn't even have Shaq suited up, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what was going on with that game. The sounds there, though. Yeah, <laughs> that LSU loss and that Florida loss earlier in the year. I I just hope like when things don't go their way, they can kind of just snap out of it. I kind of feel like yeah, if bad things happen, they just start piling up, and then it just has this negativity. I don't know. So yeah. Who do we got coming up next for basketball? Well, we're supposed to have, as of we're recording this on Tuesday, what is today, the 16th, we were supposed to have a game tonight um, against South Carolina. That's been pushed back to tomorrow night, Wednesday night at 9, 9 p.m. Uh, here in Knoxville. And then we got Kentucky at home on Saturday at 1 p.m. That's um, a big one. And I think we, yeah, it's a real big one. Um, that one's at home here, so. I think we got Vanderbilt and then Auburn uh, remaining on the schedule. So uh, all four of those very winnable. I think Auburn's the only one that has a. I think Auburn's 500 on the year, so the rest of them are, are below 500 in their record. So should be some games that we should win, which are typically games that we lose. Um, so we'll see how those go. Yeah, I saw Rick Barnes make a statement saying that the COVID was. Tennessee related it had nothing yeah. to do with anything else it was someone in the program so 
hopefully that's been taken care of. It sounds like it has if the game is tomorrow. Yep. But it, isn't South Carolina, like, bottom, like, at the very bottom of conference and, like, every stat? Yeah. I mean, they're not doing too yeah. good at all. Yeah, they've had uh, lots of COVID issues within their program. I think they've had to shut down, like, three or four times like for, like, two weeks. So they've only played, like, ten total games, I think. Good Lord. Uh, knowing Tennessee, we're going to beat Kentucky and then lose to South Carolina. Yeah. Or I guess South Carolina comes first. We'll lose, we'll lose to them and then beat Kentucky. <laughs> They're but not a bad I, team, though. I think that they've lost most of their games coming out of those like two week breaks where they haven't been able to do anything, practice. You know, uh, they're not yeah. bad. I think they've upset um, a couple of top twenty five teams, maybe, and then lost to some terrible teams. I know they're really well coached. I love their coach. Yeah, Frank. I, I think he's the. I love, I've watched a couple of his press conferences and SEC media days, and he's a really cool dude. Uh, mm-hmm. I would totally play for him if. You know, if I was a basketball recruit in South Carolina, <laughs> he's, he's just a cool dude. taller. Yeah, if I was eight inches taller and had any talent whatsoever, I would definitely <laughs> do that. But uh, he's really cool. I'm, I'm, I love Barnes though. I'm just, he's just a good old country dude. Heck of a, mm-hmm. heck of a basketball coach. I saw whenever we were looking for a football coach before Heupel was hired, all these people were like, "Can Barnes just not do both? Yeah, is he, is he not that amazing to just take over yeah. both of them?" But, I wish. Yeah, he's definitely one of the best, especially in the league right now. And golly, mm-hmm. I, I always thought Coach K was one of the best, and I guess he still is. But man, Duke has not looked like Duke this year at all. Yeah, so, they're rough looking. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely happy with Barnes. I'm glad Fulmer got him. So, and then did you have something you wanted to add for? Uh, yeah, the the Lady Balls. Go ahead. Yeah. So one cool note. Um, within NTA basketball is the the men's team the men's balls and the lady balls are currently one of only three programs to have both men's and women's basketball teams ranked in the top 25 so thought that was kind of a cool stat to you know um, the lady balls have always been you know one of the best teams ever consistently in the top 25 for for many many years but um, it's finally good to get the Lady Vols back on track since they've kind of stumbled for the last few years. But um, since Tennessee is turning into a basketball school, it seems like I think that's oh, cool note that Don't we're trending that. that way. <laughs> Don't say that. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, you're right. It is cool to see. I, I love the Lady Vols. I mean, the yep. court's named after freaking Pat Summit, which rightfully yep. rightfully should be. So mm-hmm. one of the greatest coaches, male or female, ever. I, I love Mr. Yep. Pat Summit. So. <laughs> Definitely, definitely, definitely really cool. One of only three programs. That's that's awesome, man. I didn't know that. I think so, Baylor was one. I can't remember the other one. I was trying to think about it right before I was saying I should have wrote it down. We know it's not South Carolina or Vanderbilt, so. Nope, definitely not one of them. <laughs> either one of them. Well, man. It's not Kentucky either. Yeah, you know, they're because our Lady Vols lost to Kentucky, so, you know, they're pretty but good. But Kentucky, the women are good. Yeah. But the men are not. Reason, for some reason, the men, I don't know, man. I, they, the, all these major programs in basketball this year, maybe it's COVID, but they are just not doing too great. So, did yeah, you have uh, rough. In, Did you have any closing thoughts or anything you wanted to talk about before we wrap this thing up? 
No, not that I know of. I think we're, uh, we've got all our coaches that are coming on the way and, uh, we should, uh, should know more about filling out the rest of the staff as the, uh, as the week goes on. I'm hoping spring ball doesn't get canceled like the spring game. Cause I think Florida canceled. Florida theirs. just canceled. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that's not a trend as selfish as it is for me to say that, but I would love to see an actual spring game and not that Butch Jones field day practice stuff. <laughs> like I want to yeah. see an actual, I don't want to see any wheelbarrow races. I, I want to see an actual <laughs> spring game. So, yeah, I want to see footballs thrown in trash cans and stuff. Was that was that not the dumbest thing? The hey. his spring his spring games put people in the seats, huh? My gosh, yeah, he wanted all these fans there, and they're literally yeah. throwing footballs into cafeteria trash cans, trying to get points. It I, was a field day. I went to. I, I think I went to two of them, and they were they did like a on the fifty yard line. They would have the quarterbacks out there throwing to try to hit the goalpost. <laughs> what are we doing? Could you imagine if like one of the quarterbacks pulled a muscle or tore a muscle doing yeah. that? He would have been fired at the fifty. <laughs> yeah, it was like at the Jamborees in high school football. Whenever you have like the punt, pass, and kick competitions at halftime, it's seriously a field day. I'm surprised they didn't do the three-legged race after that, <laughs> or carrying an egg with a spoon all the way yeah. across. Sack race. God, I, I do not miss that man. So. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Rocky Top Times. So be sure to check us out on Facebook, Rocky Top Times, and also on Twitter or under Rocky Top Times 98. My name is Sean. My name's Chase. As always, go balls. Go balls. <laughs>